Hello and welcome to the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. My name is Ross LeCane. I'm bringing my 25 years industry experience together with leading experts around the globe to give you the insights on how to live a better life and grow a profitable mortgage broking business that you are proud of. Welcome to another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. I'm Ross LeCane. I'm excited. We've got a really great guest. I'm really uh, keen to unpack and get into this topic. Uh, Tony Bice is for the director of First Choice Mortgage. He's been there for 21 years and he's one of the industry greats, one of the industry legends. Uh, just recently at the Australian Broking Awards in December, he took out one of the big gongs, the Finance Broker of the Year. He's been as up to position number nine in the last couple of years in the top 100 brokers within the country. And in 2019, he was the took out the Finance Broker Award at the Better Business Summit in New South Wales. So uh, welcome, Tony. Thanks, Ross. Nice to be here, mate. Yeah, it's great to have you here. You know, how we normally start in, in these podcasts, if we share a little bit about how you got started and you know, how you started in your broken career, because I think it's important for those newer brokers listening to hear about the early days in the business. So share a little bit about that for us. Okay, mate. Well, I um like most brokers. I well, like most brokers, Ross. I um I've got a banking background. I spent uh, quite a number of years with the Commonwealth Bank, and I was fortunate enough when Commonwealth Bank merged with uh, First Cho- uh, Colonial uh, to get a package. And I took that package and I took a punnel and getting into a totally different industry around the age of right by the age of forty. They say life begins at forty. Well, it certainly did for me, and um, I was lucky enough to fall into the breaking industry. And when I started, there was only 2% of all loans were written by mortgage brokers. So it's in it, it was in its infancy. And uh, I had a lending background from the bank. So I, um, I, I approached a company called Law Fund and um, they uh, took me on board, but on their uh, senior management side, not as a broker. And after a couple of years of working for them, it was fantastic. I really got to understand the industry, but I could see the lifestyle and the remuneration that brokers made. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'd like to make a change. So I listened to a lot of different brokers, understood a lot about their models, and then basically took the step to get into becoming a mortgage broker myself. And when I started, just like every other broker that starts out, I was a one-man band. And um, I started writing loans, packaging loans, processing loans. And I could see that uh, quite clearly that my attention to detail is probably not up to the level that um, you need to, to be able to do the whole gamut from start to finish. So I brought on board a, uh, a loan processor and immediately I made the decision to pay that cost or have that extra cost in the business, I could see the benefit of it straight away. I could see that the outlaying of a fixed cost for a loan processor freed me up. And once I could see that I was freed up, I then thought, well, hang on, I could take this a step further and bring on another loan packager other than myself. So I started doing that. And then I started to think, well, if I can get one, let's get another. And um, my model is a little bit unique. I don't, um, I don't employ men in the business and i think this is a bit of a joke a running joke now i only employ women because women are smarter than men i'll say to anybody that wants to listen um they, their attention to details better they can multitask they just get it and i've got some of the sharpest girls in the industry working for me now and the reason i've been able to keep them is because i provide them with a lifestyle 
over and above my lifestyle. So that's how it sort of evolved from the early days into where I am today. Amazing, right? Amazing to think back. And we must have started in the industry at a very similar time. I remember you know, I was back in Wizard back in around the year 2000. And yep. people forget that, right? That the industry, you know, John Simons was a pioneer, but, you know, that started around 93, right? So at that point in time, looking back, and you're right, the industry was only doing 3% to where we are at the moment, doing 60%. And, yeah. uh, you know, looking back, and it's interesting to hear how you started. And, you know, again, like most brokers, there's the one-man band and you're fumbling around doing it yourself. And then you realize, hey, I'm going to, outlay and i imagine there was a bit of fear at that point in time to say hey i've got to outlay a, a salary uh to get that person on and then you've realized that, that you've grown your team uh and you started and then you employed one and then you employed another i'm really keen to understand you know more about your your structure and the model that you've got in terms of because i think it's a great one i think it's interesting in terms of the way that you've built this team of women that you talk about so do you have other brokers within the business or yeah just give us a bit of an idea of what the current structure looks like for you and your team okay i think i'll what the, the easiest way is i'll explain the process and that'll explain the staff i think i think the key the key to any mortgage broker that's starting out or even ones that have been going for a couple of years the key to any mortgage broking business is to outsource it's that simple if you don't outsource and try and control everything yourself you won't grow so if you have that logic to start with what we do i sit at the top of the business and generate um, leads uh, business development and sort of i'm the sort of face of the business for clients that ring in or contact us via email so i have the initial contact with the client but by no means um, do I have all the answers with regards to structure rates and all that sort of stuff? Once I've spoken to the client and understand, understood the, the scenario behind what they're looking for, I then have a, an assistant loan processor, Annette, and Annette basically makes contact with the client. We take the needs analysis, name, address, phone number. Then what she does is she puts all those details into our system. Now, Annette works um, anytime she wants, Monday to Friday, and then she just allocates the amount of hours. So it's very flexible, which allows her to look after her kids, pick them up from school, daycare, et cetera, and then take the needs analysis in her time in alignment with the client. Once that's done, I then get, the, I get all the documents from the client, um, ID, proof of income statements, rates notice, et cetera. And one other key one I get is their superannuation statements, which we'll talk about separately. I then give that to my loan packages, of which I've got five. I've got one in Melbourne, one in Newcastle, one in Penrith, one in Fairfield, and one in Richmond. And these ladies have all got broking experience or loan processing, or they've worked in an aggregator in some capacity previous to having children. They're very sharp at what they do. They want to get back into the industry, but they're somewhat restricted by having kids. So what I've done is I've turned the model upside down and gone out and given them a lifestyle to and also a strong remuneration. So they work from home, they generate a, a, a very strong income. Um, I'm a firm believer if you create a lifestyle and you pay your staff accordingly, you'll create loyalty. Most of my girls have been with, well, two of the girls have been with me 12 years. Wow. And, the others, and the other two have been with me seven years and one's been with me five years. So 
you don't have that continual churn of staff if you create a lifestyle and you pay them accordingly. If you give up a little bit more of the farm than you need to, it will come back to you in spades. Mm. So they then package the loan. That's all they do, nothing more. We've broken the process up into, into unique parts. I do the business development, Annette does the contact for the application. The loan packages structure the loan and then they submit it online and then they get it to conditional approval. So anything that's outstanding, the bank requests, they get it to them. And then Anna, my senior loan processor, who's been with me for 12 years as well, she then processes the transaction by liaising with the bank, the real estate agent, the solicitor, et cetera, right through to settlement. And once settlement takes place, Anna then requests a five-star review from the client so that we can continue to have our strong presence on the front page of Google. And then my wife, Lyndall, steps in and she does the follow-up with the gift basket, et cetera. That's the transaction from start to finish. Those are the people that are in the business. And while all that's happening, I then put my financial planning hat on and I then provide the client with a free statement of advice. Now, if they went to a financial planner, they may charge them 1500 bucks for that, but I work on scale. So if I've got five times the amount of loans being written and I'm a qualified financial planner, then while the girls are undertaking the transaction, by the way, everything comes across my desk. And Ross, you've been around long enough to know that it's much easier to have the red pen and look at things than it is to actually structure and prepare it. Then while that's happening, I do the statement of advice and then I sell it as a separate um, transaction to the mortgage. And nine times out of 10, the clients are absolutely blown away by the service, which creates um, a sticky client, for want of a better word, but also extra referrals. Because those clients go out and tell their friends, listen, this is a mortgage broker, but he's not just a normal mortgage broker like with Aussie or whatever. He's a financial planner as well. And we get a lot of business that way. Love it, love it. And that's 10 staff. Yeah, okay. So that's 10 staff. So um, in terms of search yourself, you've got someone on the front end who looks after the fact find and the, the document collection. And then it comes across to you and you do the strategy in regards to the loan. Yep. And it goes to the packager yep. to get the applications out, get them submission. They handle the, the um, first RMI in yep. terms of handling any conditions because they're across that file yep. and then once they've sort of packaged it up for unconditional approval then it goes across to Anna who then takes it from from there all the way through to settlement that's right and then the three staff that look after the financial planning stuff is myself my wife Lyndall who does all the administrative work for the financial planning part of the business and I've got a power planner and just as I've mentioned the importance of growing your business uh, in, in, in digestible chunks by having a loan processor coming on on your mortgages, it's equally important that you have a para planner to work with you on the financial planning side because without the financial planner, I, I just can't get there. There's too much work involved. So outsourcing the task for the, plan, the statement of advice basically allows me to then concentrate on selling it in conjunction with their settlement. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. I'll, I'll go into that a little bit more, but I'm just keen to understand um, a little bit more in terms of the how it works, right? So sure. in terms of the handover, because I get asked by a lot of brokers around, 
you know, they want to feel that they want to have control of the process, right? They want to have control and, you know, it's about them. And I'm saying, look, it's not about them. It's about you creating a team. So sure. I'm interested to hear, you know, how the handover looks and how this is communicated to the client that you've got all these this great team that sits behind you. So sure. talk to me through how they're sort of introduced and, and uh yeah, how, how that sort of is structured. Okay. First thing I'll say is that if you, if as a broker, and we've all been there at some stage, if you insist on total control, you won't grow. It's that simple. If you're doing the the interview, the application, the, the structuring, the loan processing at the other side, and you're happy to do that, and you want to write one, maybe two loans a week with all the work involved in there, that, that's fine. That's what you'll do, and you'll still be doing that in five years' time, my view. If you want to take the step towards growing your business to create scale, then you've got to outsource. It's that simple. So I've taken the, the, the decision to outsource because I can see that there are people around me with stronger skill sets than me that bring better skills to the table, which invariably will give the client a better experience. So the people that I've got around me, they, are, they make the transaction so much more um, streamlined. How I introduce them? Sure. When I'm talking to the client, I let them know, and it's going to be giving them a call. Then, when Annette's giving them a call, Annette will then basically say, "Look, now I'm going to hand this off to either Beth in Newcastle, Melissa in Melbourne, Kylie in Richmond, Alicia in Penrith, or Jessica in Fairfield." I allocate the leads that come to these girls on a steaming hot plate, and Annette, I just tell Annette, "This one's going to Jess." So when she's talking to the client, Jess is going to give you a call and just introduce herself and go through a little bit more around the transaction. The handover from the girls to, uh, to Anna is seamless. And Anna's on the front foot and liaising with them and letting them know that she's going to be assisting the process of the transaction. We get a lot of feedback, a lot of testimonials. And it's not just, oh, thank you, Tony, for getting me the loan. It's thank you, Annette it's, uh, and Anna and Jessica, as well as yourself, Tony. So most clients love the idea that there's a few people involved. It makes your business look a lot bigger as well. I love it. Love it. The, the things that I'm taking away from this, Tony, is you build a team of experts, right? And you've simplified the process. So your team creates a fantastic customer experience that delights your clients because they're experts at what they do. So, you know, the certainty in the way that you, you know, told that to me, I'm sure comes off in terms of the way that you explain that to your clients, right? Absolutely. Yep. And you know, these, these girls cre create that world-class experience. And how good is it when you see their name up in lights on that Google review? I know as a business owner, you know, writing big volumes, I was always loved it when I saw that. And I loved it when, you know, in an email, they would come when they wanted their next property or the next deal, it would bypass me and go straight to them, right? And Absolutely. It's, um, it was, you know, to me, that's about creating that business that can run without you. And well, there's, um, there's, two, there's two things I do on that point, Ross. Number one is when I get a testimony, which we get one, maybe two a week, yeah. I parcel that testimonial up and I send it out on a, on a group email to the girls and everybody gets to see who has been so grateful for the service and the experience of one of the ladies, but everyone gets to read it. Automatically, the girls will then congratulate that particular writer and thank you know, fantastic, da, da, da. The next thing I do is that I um, I get the Google review, which then goes onto the front page of, uh, um, which keeps us on the front page of 
Google, as I said before, but, but the bottom line is, it is all around the recognition. And when that next transaction comes back, some, as you say, Russ, a lot of the time they bypass me. I don't find out that, that that person has referred one of their friends or they've come back for a second transaction because of the experience. It's the girls will tell me I had such and such come back. I then increase their remuneration to reward them for the recognition based on the amount of the initial transaction. So they get a percentage for the first transaction and an increased percentage for the second transaction from the same client or a referral from that client. Wow. So talk to you how that works in, in practice, right? So is it a percentage of the loan amount? Is it a is it a bonus figure? Like how, how do you work out what, what that remuneration is? I give them, I give each of the ladies a, uh, a percentage of the upfront commission okay. and an increase on the percentage of the upfront uh, commission for um, that client coming back because they love the experience or one of their, um, their referred one. I pay my loan processes a fixed cost because they're in the business all the time. The girls that package the loans have got the ability to write as much or as less business as they like. So, and that's to get, that gets back to the, um, the, the freedom of the, of the role for them. They're making more money now working from home um, with all the lifestyle things that go with it, picking up the kids from daycare, dropping them to and from school, taking the doctors, school carnivals, all that sort of stuff. But they can write as little or as, as much as they want. Some of the girls write and they get, you know, there's 70, 80, $90,000 a year working from home. Some of the others might get 40 or 50 because that's the, that's the amount that they want to work with, but they all get to do their holidays, et cetera. Okay. So it's based on a, not a wage basis. They're all contractors and it's all based on a percentage of the upfront. That's right. And I pay them well because if you pay them cheaply, then they'll drift, pay them well and they'll stay. Create a lifestyle with a strong remuneration. And if it means I've got to give up a little bit more than the farm, than the norm, I don't care because I'm getting five times the amount of business written. Love it, love it. And you're getting loyalty, you're getting, um, and it makes you feel good, right? It makes you feel good to share the wealth and give them a lifestyle, right? Absolutely, yeah. I sort of, I, I don't have a problem with um, giving up the upfront. Um, I've covered all my fixed costs, which are not many. I don't have rent, I work from home. I don't have, um, salaries for the loan packages, they're on commission. I have a fixed cost for my loan processes and the rest just basically goes into the bucket and I generate five times the amount of trail. And that gets back to your one-man show doing one transaction a week, whereas I can get done five times that amount of transaction a week, transactions a week. Yeah, love it. Mm. Love it. And the other thing that I loved you mentioned was, you know, how at the end of the, the transaction, people recognise your unique value proposition, which is, hey, I'm not just a mortgage broker. Without, yeah, am I right? Without them asking for a statement of advice, it's something that you create automatically as just part of the process? Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I bring it up up front when I'm talking to the client, they ring me through or they've come through from an email from our website. They've got no idea about what a statement of advice is and they've got no idea how that part of the business can assist them. All they see is their four-bedroom home with an ensuite. Mm -hmm. So I basically talk to them about what their main focus is, which is their mortgage, and then I add on the, the, the competitive advantage that we have, which is the risk insurance. Mm -hmm. I don't make it complicated. I basically just say to them, send me through your super statements with, together with your ID um, and everything else that you have to provide. It's one more document. They don't see it as a big impasse. They just send it through. Then what I do is set up a separate file 
and then I get the I get 90% of the information from their fact find, transfer it across, fill out the extra information I need from the client, and I promise them that I'm going to have a comprehensive statement of advice, 40 pages, to them leading up to settlement, and it's for free. And they go, wow, how good is this? And once they get that document, they've been they've been preempted, if you like, about the, that I'm a financial advisor. And then I just go through the importance of risk insurance structured in an affordable way over and above them getting a mortgage. And those out of every 10 that I write, eight will get it. One will fail because of health issues, whatever. And the other one's just a moron, doesn't get it at all. So we just put them in reserve grade. But the other eight, they get it. And what I do from there is create a statement of advice, take an application, put it into the system, wrestle with an underwriter, just like you wrestle with credit. And then once that transaction um, is approved, et cetera, and goes into, um, into, into implementation, guess what? You've then got two upfronts, one for Mr. and one for Mrs. And you've got another trail. Mm, so you're building, you're, you're doubling the wealth of your business without a lot of extra work if you're smart enough to outsource the tasks so you can manage it within your mortgage broking business. Yeah, love it. Love it. So within that uh, financial plan or statement of advice, as, as you call it, do you cover other things in terms of, you know, what that wealth journey looks like, you know, throughout their lifetime? No, I don't, Ross. I mean, you can get you can get as complicated as you want to in financial planning. It all to get it all depends on what accreditations you've got and what um, qualifications have you got. To be brutally honest, in between doing mortgages and financial planning, there's not a lot of time left at the end of the day. Probably not the, the sharpest bloke to be talking about annuities and and all that sort of stuff. I sort of leave that to the financial planning experts, which live and breathe it. I just stick to my bread and butter, mortgages, just like a mortgage broker and risk insurance. And yeah. if you ask any broker that's a one-man band that's starting out and go back to their bank days, they probably were doing it for the Commonwealth Bank or Westpac anyway, but now you're doing it and getting paid. Yeah, exactly. So it's the, um, the statement of advice is all around the risks and, and the risk insurance, as you said, and you get upfront and trail on, on that. And yep. again, that can be for the husband and wife. So potentially getting three upfront commissions, one for the mortgage and then the two risk policies. Because you're a qualified financial planning and you've done the work there, um, you're qualified to give this advice. So you can give a, you know, not a full advice in relation to risk. If they want anything further, you refer them on to a, a more detailed financial planner for the other stuff. Yeah, exactly. Now, there's a, there, there's been a bit of a, an upheaval and turmoil within the financial planning industry with regards to extra qualifications, FASIA, loads of compliance, etc. So, I had, funny enough, had a meeting with some um, with some guys this morning that that own a dealership group, and we're looking at creating a model. Probably leaving the cat out of the bag here a little bit, but for those brokers that don't want to go down the path of providing full advice, which means um, audits, which means uh, Kaplan exams, uh, extra qualifications, FASIR exams, and the preparation of a statement of advice, there is an option open which is called general advice. Okay, and a general advice model would suit a lot of your brokers that don't want to go as far down the commitment line as what I've done for the last 15 years, mm. but still remunerate them very handsomely along the same lines as what I did, uh, what I get in conjunction with their mortgage. So in other words, think of what you did when you were in the bank back in the day and you did a, a, a loan for a client in the loans office at Parramatta, whatever, 
uh, at the bank where you had to sell risk insurance or um, in general insurance, it'll be along those lines. We're going to streamline the process so that mortgage brokers will be able to transition uh, into general advice, double the amount of their remuneration with a fraction of the work that I currently do now. And that's yeah. what I'm putting in place now. We can talk about that later. Love it, love it. So this is um, part of the diversification. So in what other areas um, do you offer? Are you purely in residential mortgages or is there other things that you offer to your clients as well? We do commercial, just like most brokers. I mean, I mean, I don't class myself as being an expert in commercial like some of the guys that win the gongs at the awards, et cetera. But if a commercial deal comes across my table and they do regularly, I have sharp staff once again, but I also, most of the banks now have got very sharp BDMs that step in and assist you with the transaction. Mm. So we write quite a bit of commercial. And of course, we write a lot of asset finance. Mm. Um, one of my staff is an ex-Toyota finance guru. So cars, boats, uh, consumer loans, all that sort of stuff, personal loans. We do all that as a matter of course, in conjunction with what we do with the mortgage. And of course, every client still gets their risk. Yeah, great, great. And how do you come across these opportunities? Do you, you know, market to your clients? How do they know that you sort of diversify and you offer a full range of products? How do they become aware? The clients coming in through the front door, either on an email, which I call back, or, an e or a phone call, which I, um, which I take, I explain it all up front. So, and, that, and that's another thing that a, a broker look, should look at, particularly in the market we're in today. When you and I first started 20 years ago, I mean, it was pretty easy. You, you're an order taker, let's be honest. Client would ring through, you'd fill out the details and you had the deal. Now, when a client rings through, they've generally spoken to someone at Aussie, they've spoken to someone at some other um, uh, broker group that's on the front page of Google. So you're up against competitors. So you've got to be able to differentiate yourself from the pack. And the, and the financial planning part does it for me beautifully. Every time I talk to a client, they generally say, well, look, I've already spoken to um, Billy Bloggs at uh, Aussie, so why are you any different? I said, I just simply say, are they a financial planner? And nine times out of 10, they say no. I say, fine. Okay, so I can provide exactly the same services as the other mortgage broker and some, and it doesn't cost you anything. And as soon as I do that, nine times out of 10, I win the deal over the competitor. Yeah, love it, love it. So you really highlight your point of difference. And I think, you know, it's really important and it's important for a lot of brokers. And you know, one of the things I often teach, and, you know, I read in a book called The Challenger Sale was 54% of loyalty is built at the point of sale. So yeah. what you're saying is, you know, when a client comes to you, not just talking about, you know, the fix that they want, which is the mortgage or the refinance or whatever, you're explaining your full range of services, including what you do around the asset finance, the commercial, around the financial planning. So for you, it's not just a transaction, it's a relationship. It's the full experience and relationship, exactly. I mean, we've heard the term a 30-second elevator, right? And I normally do that to just give myself a little give them a little bit of my background so they know who they're dealing with. The fact that we've done 20 years in the business in the industry does give you some clout these days because they know they're not dealing with someone that's green. So saying that I've done 20 years worth of experience, saying that I'm accredited with X amount of banks, and then adding the icing on the cake by saying I'm also a financial advisor. If I had a dollar for every one of the clients that's interjected and said, oh, wow, that's great. Oh, that's good. And I said, and more, and more importantly, I said, my services to you are free. 
I don't. I, I mentioned, of course, that I'm going to get remunerated from the um, insurer when that's part of the SOA. But in this early stage, I simply just justify it by saying that I provide scale. I write a lot of mortgages and I provide a lot of clients with the offer of financial advice. They take it up and I said, and that's how I get my money back. And they, and they don't have a problem with it, never have. Yeah, love it, love it. And as you mentioned, you get a, a ton of referral business in, in relation to clients. So is that your main source of business, repeat and referral business at this point after you know, 20 odd years in the business? It, well, it, it's certainly nice. I mean, I, I don't have to leave the desk here and, and the leads just go ding on my computer and I know there's another lead and I'll probably get two or three a day. That's It's nice and I try my best to win most of them, which I do. Um, there's the, It's a blend of online leads and also refer, re, refer and repeat business. But I, getting to the online business, that just doesn't happen overnight. I've, I've had an SEO strategy in place for over 15 years now, Ross, and I was putting SEO in place when most brokers couldn't even spell it. Mm. So the, if, if, if a young broker starts in the business today and uh, sets up a website, there's a good chance he's going to be on page 900. Mm. So there's a lot of work involved. And again, it's another expense that you outlay. I've engaged an, uh, an advertising um, and marketing agency and they look after everything. It's a fixed cost each month. I bite the bullet. I know that I'm going to get return for what I outlay. I get more leads back in spades, which more than covers off the amount of my initial initial outlay each month. Yeah. And um, yeah, they're, they're, they're gold. They're gold. Do you have any idea of ROI in terms of, right, if I spend a dollar, I know I'm going to get, you know, how many back with that? Any idea? Not no, I don't sort of get that smart. I've got a, I've got a couple of broker mates of mine that are that are very sharp, yeah. um, and they say, "Oh, Tony, do you know how much you settle this month?" I wouldn't have a clue. Yeah, okay. oh, Tony, what do you outlay is what you get back. Couldn't be. I'm too busy selling to worry about the numbers. I leave that to Lindell, and if she tells me that there's um everything's flying and nice, so that's good enough for me. I'm on the phone. I'm networking. I'm talking. Yeah. I don't sort of get too involved in what I all I know is that. Dumbing it right down, if I spend two grand a month on on SEO, I know that I'm going to get a bucket load more back than, than two grand a month by the leads I get. That's about as smart as I get with it. <laughs> love it. And I love the simplicity. And you know, every time I speak to the top brokers, the one thing you know shines through and it's the, the focus on sales. You know, there's a reason that top brokers are top brokers because they focus, and I love what you're saying, you don't know the numbers because you're too busy. And I sort of say that sales and adding value is on the same side of the coin. And so you're so busy out networking, adding value to people that you don't focus on that. That's just the result. You focus on the activity, which is the sales activity, which then leads to the results. Yeah. Well, you can strip it down to a couple of reasons. One, I'm as I said before, my attention to details not that good. And most people that listen to this that know me in the broken industry will probably agree. So I focus on what I'm good at, selling. Uh, numbers. I don't have time to crunch numbers and look at spreadsheets. I, I go back to my old banking days and you probably you probably remember the old Gantt chart. Remember the old Gantt charts they used to have in project management? I spent half my day trying to understand what the Gantt chart was saying before I could actually get the tasks done. And I've just taken that logic from all those years ago and applied it to my business and thought there's no point in sitting down there and trying to business plan and trying to get all your numbers in, in a line and trying to work out what you get your forecast for your settlements are because you're taking your ball off what you do best so yeah business plan is good to give you a, a direction and we and we all have one but the actual day-to-day -day 
forecasting, looking at numbers, how much is coming in, how much is going in, how much I'm spending. I just go hell for leather. Exactly. Love it, love it. And the sales focus obviously gets the gets the result. And, you know, which leads to, you know, the sales leads to other things. And we were talking about our travels where, you know, we were both in Europe at a similar time a couple of years ago and when the world was open and you're allowed to, you know, your business gave you a lifestyle. I think you mentioned you traveled for six weeks. Um, um, And most brokers would, you know, dream of of taking a a week off, let alone having six weeks to travel around Europe. So talk to me about, um, the importance of you know not only your business you know providing the the income but providing that lifestyle for you mm. as well yeah well i got into this game as we said right back in the day and it was, i was attracted to the lifestyle mm. what i didn't know at that time was just how time consuming being a one-man band would be and most of your brokers out there that you deal with um that have that challenge the challenge to to create a better lifestyle over and above just being your own boss only comes with outsourcing. The minute you bring other people into your team, it frees you up to do other things. I'm sort of getting to the point here in now, Ross. I mean, I'm the wrong side of 60 now, so time's getting away. And But what I'm finding now is that when Lyndall and I want to go on a holiday and, we, and before COVID, we travelled probably twice a year to, to overseas destinations, I would take my laptop and I'd be sitting in Glasgow and I'd get the emails that come through. Clients don't know where you are. They don't know whether you're in Sydney or in Glasgow. I would simply just do what I do now, networking, make phone calls and do the the minimal amount of email requirements. And I'd be finished by 8.30, down for breakfast, the day's mine. At home, I've got the likes of the, the, the girls, Anna, Annette and Beth, Kylie, Alicia, Jess and the rest of the team all doing their thing. So the business grinds along without me even being in it. And if you can get to that stage, which I'm at now, then you know you got your model right. Beautiful. But it takes it takes a long time. Right. So you mentioned you are at the the pointy end. So what next for Tony? What, what okay. is the, you know you as you mentioned you're sixty. What is the what does the future look like for, oh, for you? I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I mean, let's face it. You've got a couple of options when you get closer to retirement. You can um you can sell your business, and that'll give you a number, and then you have got to get that number to last you. And um, most people like you and I that have passionately build a business of over 20 years last thing you want to do is sell it to someone else because it's your life it's your baby it's what you've grown so selling my business never has been an option then the next option is you can get a young guy sleep broker that's just done his academy etc or a more experienced broker either way you're going to bring them into the business you're going to have them sit in your chair you're going to pay them six figures and you're going to hope they don't diddle the books or do something that we've all heard war stories over the years it's a risk but it's not a risk that i'm prepared to take I'm fortunate I've got a daughter called Georgia and she's the head of broker engagement for CoreLogic. Um, she reports through to a fellow by the name of Mark Walner. You probably remember him oh, yeah, yeah, in the yeah, early days. Remember Mark? Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Yeah, well, that, yeah. Back, in the, back in the old Bankwest ING days from memory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Georgie's boss. And, and Mark reports through to the CEO of um, CoreLogic and she spends a lot of time with Tim Lawless, who you might see on TV a fair bit. So that's Georgie's role at the moment. She's just resigned and she's going to come into the business. She's 27. She'll take it to the next level without a shadow of a doubt. She'll put in place all the things that um, millennials are all over. I still have to get her to show me how to 
do something on Foxtel, George has got all that sorted. So she will take the SEO strategy and a lot of the things the business will benefit from her young mind and skill set to the next level. What I will teach her is what I do in the chair in selling. Yeah. So it's not a matter of just throwing her the keys next week and saying, George, you go for your best. I will be in this business for another 10 years, um, but I'm going to gradually slow down over the next few years as I train Georgie up. And I'm also going to train her up to be a mortgage broker as well. Love it. So, love it. What a, yeah. great, what a great exit strategy. And it yeah. sounds like you've got it planned and you know, nothing like someone within the family who you can trust. And yeah. I was in, in business with my brother for many, many years. So I yeah. know. Yeah. Well, you do this interview in a couple of years' time with Georgia Ross, and you'll know exactly what I mean. She's a very impressive young lady, and she's a sharp cookie, knows her stuff. So first choice mortgage brokers is in very good hands when I slow down. Love it. Love it. All right. I mean, it's been great. I really enjoyed the, the chat today, Tony. So much value, so many pieces of gold, so much wisdom, right? And wisdom comes from living it for the last 20 odd years and uh, from all the experience that you've got. I normally ask one question sort of in closing and right. And if you were to give one piece of advice for a broker who is looking to grow and scale their business, what would that be? Diversify, diversify. It is an absolute no-brainer. If you're going to grow your business and create a business that is going to be foolproof, it's going to create more income for you. It's going to be a much stronger and better saleable asset when you get to my age, diversify. And with diversification comes outsourcing. The two go hand in hand. When you make the decision to grow your business, the best way to grow your business is to diversify. And what is better than being able to cross-sell risk insurance off the back of a mortgage? It's a no-brainer. And when you get to that stage, you then need to outsource some of those tasks so you can get other people around you. Those two things will grow your business and it will make a very, very rewarding business. Simple. Love it. Love it. So much gold, so much wisdom. You've heard it diversify, diversify and scale with a team, create a lifestyle, pay them well, and they'll look after you and the profits will flow. Spot on. So thanks again, Tony. Uh, this has been another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker podcast. If you'd like to engage with us, there's a number of ways that you can do it. One, subscribe to the podcast. Two, book an appointment to speak to us about how we can help you with our coaching or mentoring, uh, sign up to us on the Billion Dollar Broker Facebook group. Uh, it's a private group, request to join, and we'd love to see you there. Thanks, until next time, we'll see you later.